Welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture, and in this case, our honeymoon. Thank you so much for bearing with us as Winston and I went on a little bit of a hiatus while we traveled Spain and Italy, which was, you guessed it, incredible. These two episodes are a little bit different from all of our others so far, but we hope that you enjoy them. This one is a combination of a few travelogues we recorded on my phone about halfway through our travels, chronicling our time in Madrid, San Sebastián, Granada, and a bit in Barcelona. We loved Spain and wanted to share some of our experiences of the wine, food, art, and culture with you. I hope you can forgive the poorer sound quality of this episode. Again, it was recorded on my phone. But I feel like it captures the essence of being in the heart of the action. You can hear sirens and crowds on La Rambla, where our Airbnb was in Barcelona. And I hope that we can transport you vicariously through these two episodes to the beautiful, wonderful countries of Spain and Italy. Quick warning, if you are not a meat eater and you dislike hearing about eating meat, this episode may not be for you. Spain loves its meat, and we partook in that love quite often. Thank you, as always, to our supporters on Patreon, and especially to our advanced, aka producer-level patron, Mara Zobrist. Mara and all of our other patrons are more beautiful than the beaches of San Sebastián and more impressive than the Alhambra, which is saying a lot. If you think that this also describes you, you should check us out on Patreon at patreon.com pairingpodcast and see if you'd like to join the ranks of these amazing folks. If a monetary contribution isn't a possibility for you at this time, but you're enjoying the show, consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or even just telling a friend or loved one about us. It really means the world to us to have you all with us on this journey, and we're so excited to share what's next. You've waited long enough for these two episodes, so without further ado, here is episode 21, Honeymoon Part 1, Spain. We are here uh, in our little breakfast nook. Yeah. I guess I guess it's not exclusively a breakfast nook, but it's a multi-purpose nook. Yeah, a multi-purpose nook overlooking La Rambla, which is a very busy street in Barcelona, which I'm sure you can hear a little bit in the background because yeah. I'm probably not going to work that hard on removing this background yeah. noise. No, it's a hustling it's and a, a bustling. Hu- yeah, and it's authentic. It is. We're we're on the streets. Yeah. Pairing on the streets. It's beautiful. There's tons of huge poplars. There's dudes throwing yeah. these weird, like, uh, I guess the, the latest scam toy thing is uh, like a big twirler thing that you toss into the sky and mm-hmm. then it slowly flutters back down. We've seen those in several cities. Yeah. But so we thought we'd do a, a few little pairing-themed travelogues of our travels so far. Yeah. Which, so far, we have been to, on our honeymoon, Madrid. San Sebastián. Granada. And now we're in Barcelona. So, uh, yeah. And we just thought we'd talk a little bit about the wine we drank, the food we ate, the experiences we've had so far in each place. And and that could be fun. Yeah. Okay, so I know this isn't in order, but I have to start with Chacolí because it, it is like the Basque white wine. Okay, so we're starting with San Sebastian. Yeah, San Sebastian. I'm sorry, because I fell okay, in love we'll, with this wine. We'll go, it's amazing. We'll go back to Madrid. But and it's like, yes. you, so it's so like, Chacol- so, so Chacoli is, so it's something that I've been familiar with for a while, but in the, in the States now, it's getting like real expensive. And, um, and so Chacoli, I believe, is the region in Basque country which is um, northeastern Spain, like right, yeah, right by on the, the Pyrenees and the border yeah. with France. It's so, right, like you can throw a rock into France yeah. because it's Basque France. Yeah. It's like the Basque region is its own deal, and there's a Spanish Basque and a French Basque. and so, so there's this experience that you do, particularly in San Sebastián. So San Sebastián is one of the food capital, cap, capitals, capitals of we'll the world. I'm with you. One of the food capitals of the world. Apparently has more Michelin-starred restaurants per capita than any other place on planet Earth. And we didn't go to any michelin star restaurants, but because we were like, eh, should we blow our entire honeymoon budget on one dinner? Uh, 
Maybe not. But we went to some amazing, amazing pincho bars. Which pinchos are the Basque word for tapas. Yes. And but you'll see and you'll see pincho in other parts of Spain. And I guess the meaning is slightly different depending on where you go. But in general, I guess like the difference between pinchos and tapas is that tapas well, we'll get to tapas when we get to Granada because, or at least the tapas as they should be, which is that you order a drink, you get a tapa. And in San Sebastián, though, you order a drink and you order a pincho. And uh, and the pinchos are just like little snacks, usually on toasted bread. Yeah, I think the bread and is like the common theme. There's like I a little piece so. of baguette or, or just like a, there's a, they... The way tortillas are done in Spain, tortillas are more like um, what you call, like frittatas. Yeah, there it's so yeah. so the Spanish tortilla, which I remember my friend made for me the last time I was in Spain. It's kind of the classic Spanish. Yeah, it's like dish. potatoes, egg, and onions. Yeah, right. and cheese, and so it, and so you go and you order a pincho de tortilla, and you know they'll ask you know do you want it hot because it's been sitting here on this counter for a couple hours and which you, know, you just have microwave. to get past that if you're gonna yeah, enjoy space yeah absolutely and um oh my god so much ham so, so much ham I, I am a ham yeah we are both hams now we like, have we are made of ham i feel like people can smell <laughs> it coming out of my pores oh. it's like old spice and ham yeah <laughs> but um going back to chacoli or chacolina so so my my understanding and i could be wrong um is that chacoli is like the region that, that the wine comes from, and Chacolina is the wine. So that at least that's my under, that was my understanding in I'm the US. Um, here it seems like you can order Chacoli and they, you know, Chacoli or Chacolina is sort of. I've in, been saying Chacolin, just ending it with the N. Oh, and there you go. People still seem to give me. You know, they the know what you They know what you're talking like, about. Oh, this gringo. So but. okay, so there's so there's Chacoli or Chacolina, and um. And that's spelled T X A K O L I and then N A. Right. Because it's for, Basque, not yeah, Spanish. Yeah. And so and so what it is, it's kind of like, you know, in the in the wine world in the US, the way we describe it is it's like dried vino verde. That's really not giving it the credit that it's due because it is to- so special and so unique. Well, you but, correct me, but yeah. I, sort of the impression I get, because we had an Albarino today when we were in El Nacional mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Barcelona, which also is amazing. It's like this art deco food court. Oh, yeah, that was Super that was so cool. great. I'm so glad anyway, we went there. But I digress. Um, it, it tastes a little bit like an effervescent Albarino, because it is pretty dry. Yeah, yeah, I would say, I would and, say that's not a bad description. But it has... It has a little bit of that bubbles, and of course, the way you pour it, in the same way you pour Basque cider, which I also yes, so we're going to talk about that too. Is you yeah. like put a little spout on it, and then you do like the the big pour, you know, the big pour, you know? where it's like there's 18 inches at least between the bottle and the glass, and it's all. We'll post we'll post a video of me doing that with some Basque cider, yeah. which is the traditional way yeah. to pour the Basque cider. It's pretty it's pretty fun. I think and it stirs up the bubbles a little bit. I think that's yeah. I think that's I think that's part of the thing, and also so. Chacolina, they give you in a, just as I am drinking, I'm drinking a Rioja Rosé right now. But so much Rioja, so much Rioja and Ribera del Duero we've had, but it's been amazing. But so they pour it not in a wine glass, they pour it in like a, in a cider glass is what it is. It's not quite a beer glass, you know. It's basically a low ball glass. Yeah. Basically. And, but yes, so the other, the other traditional drink of Basque country, which I was also familiar with before, um, is Basque cider, which is kind of a natural cider that it still has sediment in it. It's really funky. The way I described it, when I first was introduced to it many, many years ago in New York, um, I described it as it's kind of like a sour beer for, for cider drinkers. It's like, a, it's very sour. It's very dry. And so Chacolina, I'm sorry, we're all over the place, but so Chacolina is um so they we say it's like a dry vino verde because it does have that effervescence to it uh but it is super super dry and super high in acidity and so i kind of think it's even higher in acidity than than most albarino is and so, so crisp and so, so crisp and so refreshing it's and it's usually pretty low in alcohol i mean relatively speaking you know it's more like 
10 to 11.5% alcohol. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quaffable. It's it, perfect with seafood. It's great for it's great for pinchos. So if you're going around. So the traditional thing and what we did a few times at two... Uh, varying degrees of success was go to um, so you go to you just kind of bar hop and you and you go to pincho bars and you order a drink and you order some pinchos you eat it if you want you can order more but uh, you know what was recommended to us was like go get like one thing from every bar and and each place has their own specialty yeah yeah and so like we had these amazing gambas or shrimp at um I forget what it was called. Wait, I'm going to look I it forget, up. Yeah, I forget what the first one's called. I'm going to look it up right now. On my phone that I'm using to uh, <laughs> record this, um, I've got a message from my friend. So I I haven't done any research for this, but um, uh, apparently the cool thing about um, Basque history is, you know, sort of like the Catalans, like it's a, a whole distinct culture. And um, in San Sebastián, there is a district called the Brixto, which I, I, sorry, I butchered the pronunciation, but it translates to the breach, and it's where the British troops under Wellington breached the wall of San Sebastian during the, what is called the Peninsular Campaign during the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. So, like, it was in the thick of it, and you can see why, because it has this beautiful, like, crystal water bay on what's called the Cantabrian Sea. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. Um, and, it's, I mean, you couldn't you could not imagine a more beautiful place. It, um, it, it is absolutely the most gorgeous place mm, I, maybe I've ever been. Yeah. It's, it's impe- impeccable beaches, and, and just the view is just incredible. Um, the Pincho Bar that we went to was, again, uh, pardon the pronunciation because I'm not sure how to pronounce Basque, but Goiz Argi or Goiz Argi. Um, for those were where the gambas that was were. Where the shrimp, yeah. Yeah, and then we also went to Bar Sport. That one's a little bit easier to remember. Yeah. And it was recommended to us to get the foie gras there, but we had just gone out to dinner the night before and ordered foie gras and gotten so much. And I, I have a limit with foie. I am. I mean, we like if you think eating foie gras is wrong, like we belong in hell. Because they brought us just like a brick, so much. just a brick of so foie gras much. and a and a bowl of bread. Yes. And they were like, go nuts. And we're not taking it off the table until you yeah. ask us to. And so we're like, okay. Yeah. We might put a little trigger warning into this, this episode for uh, vegetarians because, oh my God, the yeah, meat not, in yeah, Spain We've is... not even tried um, so the I other had a thing, lot of tomato. That's the about, other, <laughs> that's about it. I got a story. salad. I got one salad. Okay, and, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and didn't that have like a huge thing of cod on it? <laughs> yeah, they just like they don't they 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 don't like serving you anything but meat and bread and God potatoes. Bless them. <laughs> Bless God bless the Spanish. Um, okay, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to some of the other pincho bars that we went to that we really loved, um, which were so there was Bar Sport, which we got. What did we get there? We got well, we sea ended, urchin we got sea urchin and, and some other like just little pincho. It was like a little toast, like traditional was, pincho did with it have an eggplant. I think it had fried eggplant and like tomato and cheese and maybe hummus on it. Like like you know, they just yeah. they cheese, just kind of put ubiquitous. Yeah, they just kind of do that. And um I think we'll talk about hummus, hummus in the Madrid episode because because that hummus that we had the first time that was uh, I didn't know these were separate episodes. Yeah, they're going to be separate up ep- separate little vignettes. Oh, vignettes. as much as possible. So this is the San Sebastian one. Oh, good. Um but and then we went we actually went out to dinner. We had like made a reservation at Gandarias. Um, which was amazing, like unbelievable meal for so cheap, relatively speaking. They have it, no drink markup it's, in it's, Europe, it's or at least in crazy. Spain. It's crazy. It makes you realize just how much, like, I know, I know, like, I know people say this all the time, but like, you know, we got, so we got solo mio, which is filet and the traditional way to eat the solo mio in Spain is like they'll cook it, they'll cook the the fillet, and it comes with like fries and I think piquillo peppers, peppers or yeah. Right. Well, they're not, they're not, but they're not like um, 
they're not bell peppers. No, no, they're no, a different no. kind. But it's yeah, a different, different kind. Of pepper, but... And I normally hate roasted red peppers, but oh my god, this was just like this was the most delicious thing. And it's super eaten. rare, which a lot of the yeah. time means that it's going to be tough, right? Mm-hmm. This melted mm-hmm. in your mouth like butter. Oh it my god, it was so crazy. good. Crazy. And we, did we get more than two appetizers? We got the foie and we got the peppers. Didn't we get one more thing? Well, we got hamon. Oh, we got yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Before before <laughs> anything else, we got a plate of hamon iberico, which yeah. we were told which... by our friends in Madrid is um, really good if you can kind of feel it. Yeah. Like you goosing can... your throat with oil. Yeah. Like. And it sounds and disgusting, it's, and it's but like it's, if it's the so if it looks slightly melts. translucent, yeah, exactly. there is nothing <sighs> like Guys. really good hamoni berico. I know pigs nothing. are super smart, but they're yeah. so delicious. Oh my god! <laughs> Again, trigger warning to non meat eaters in this in this one. Um, but so there was that, and then and then the other pincho bar that we went to that we really liked was La Cuchara de San Telmo. Which was that was the one by the church. Yeah, yeah. and and we got oh beef cheek and octopus there. And a pig's ear. Oh yeah, yeah we did. Joke. Which it was still a little weird for me, but I loved it. It was, but a, it was tasty. It was like a huge redemption for me on trying weird stuff, uh, because I had tried chicken feet at like a at a dim sum place. Uh, yeah. years and years ago, and it was just all cartilage and tasted like mucus, and it was yuck. yeah. Um, and I still try new things, and I've had bad experiences with uh, pork brain quesadillas Ugh. in New York. Um, but here we tried the pig's ear, and it was like a crispy pig's ear on top of like a lentil puree. Oh, yeah, that was so with good. This amazing, kind of almost like viscous vinegar barbecue sauce yeah. thing on it. And it was amazing. Yeah, and. You know, this was the kind of place, you know, you go up, so the pincho bars work, you go up, you just stand at the bar. You don't yeah, sit down. Sitting down is not a thing, yeah. really. And you go up, you order, you pay for it, and then you enjoy it. And and I, I swear, like, that could have been one of the best meals of my life. Dude. You know? Yeah, and like, the beef, che- and the octopus, too, was oh just absolutely incredible. So and good. all of it came on this bed. And it's like, again, there's no markups. You're paying, like, two to four euro for a drink, and then three to six euro for this incredible plate. Well, that was food. that was the most expensive. And that was the most expensive place. Yeah, it most only of, goes down most from of the, there. Most of the pinchos were, like, between two and five euro, I would say. Yeah. Um, so... Um, so that was San Sebastian. Yeah. And it was ama- oh, wait, wait, incredibly... Because yes. we also went up to Monte Igueldo. Yes, we did. Which was super awesome. That was amazing. And, um, another little history thing, apparently, the whole, like, I don't know, renaissance of... Renaissance, whatever you call it, of San Sebastian was when the Princess Maria Cristina in the early 20th century decided that it should be a resort. And so they built this, like, ramshackle thing that's called a funiculo now. And it's basically funicular, like... Funicular, Funicular, yeah. yeah. It's like a slanted cable car that yeah. goes up to the top of this mountain where she had them because she was a princess. Yeah. She was just like, all right, build an amusement park on top of this mountain. And they were like, okay. Yeah. And, so there's and, just an amusement park on top of a mountain with super old ass rides. Yeah. And then the thing that really sort of dropped my jaw was um, there was a an exhibition of raptors at the oh, top. Oh yeah, like like bird raptors. Yeah, 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 bird raptors, not the dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, though that would have been even better. Yeah. But the first thing we saw was the biggest owl. A, yeah. that I've ever seen, and B, that exists. I mean, yeah, not, not a... like that individual, but the breed is called, like, the eagle owl because yeah. it is so... I mean, every book you've read with mice as the protagonist, yeah, like, this is, like, the god owl that they yeah. talk to, like, in Secret was, of Nim. I mean, this it was thing really, was... <laughs> it was really, like... Depressing. It was bittersweet. I yeah, would say. it was really depressing to see these birds. Like I imagine, because you know, falconers are pretty, pretty good, pretty like humane yeah. in their treatment of yeah. the birds. It's not like veal. So you know? <laughs> yeah, so I imagine that like they let the birds fly free and they like 
let them yeah. do but things when we aren't, saw I would them, hope they were all so. chained to posts. Yeah, because they're so on exhibition posts. and so it was very it was very, very bittersweet. Um but, but I'd it, never seen a peregrine never, falcon before. Yeah, we I'd saw certainly never seen an owl like that before. Holy shit. And that, that owl thing, was oh my huge. goodness. Like every kind of raptor yeah. you can imagine from the tiniest but also, to the biggest. Like, let me know, because I am not educated on this. So if any of you are listening and happen to know like if this is a problem, like the treatment of raptors and predator birds. Oh yeah, and, please let us like, know. Like like let us know because I certainly don't want to like don't want to be condoning something that is actually evil. So yeah. um, we're not so, claiming moral righteousness. No, in this no, 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 not at, not at all, not at all. It was again, it was like very troubling, but also really cool. Because it was, and, it also happened to be at the very, very top of San Sebastian, at yeah. the top of Monte Guello. There's like two mountains. There's like the Monte Sacra or something like that, where they have yeah. this big uh, statue of San Sebastian that kind of looks like Cristo Redentor, yeah. except bronze. And then we were on Monte Gueldo, which is on the other side of the bay. And you could see like why, you know, an invading army would want to conquer it because it does have this like safe harbor. Yeah. Literally like there's an island in the middle of the bay called Santa Clara. And when we were on the top of the mountain, you can see like the the bay side of the island or the lee side or whatever it's supposed to be called yeah. is like lush and green verdant and there's all this stuff and paths for people to hike around and stuff and on the windward side whatever it's called um facing the ocean it's nothing but a scoured smooth face of white rock yeah like i'm not even it looks like marble yeah and it's a hundred feet high it's crazy. It's just a smooth piece of rock with nothing growing on it. And, uh, like, I get it. It's a safe harbor. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just to tie this into pairing just a little yeah. bit, um, you know, we were talking about uh, anything with mice as protagonists. So maybe Redwall, Redwall is a good pairing for San Sebastian. Which, if you haven't gotten <laughs> the BBC Redwall recordings oh, off yeah. of Audible, you should, because Brian yeah. Jakes, the author, is the narrator, and they are fully cast BBC radio recordings, and they use the same company of actors for several of the books, and some of those actors are also in, like, the Lord of the Rings recordings, yeah. and, like, it's... Really, it's really, really wonderful good. and personally as, a, as someone with a theater background audiobooks that are cast often are my favorite because no matter how good the narrator is and this is so, coming from someone who wants to eventually be an audiobook narrator but but no matter how good the narrator is like at a certain point i i just lose attention because you know listening to one voice for 10 to 20 some hours it, it's hard to keep your attention the whole time, but when you get when you get a cast of different voices in there, so I really really love the Redwall audiobook. All right, so I think that's a pretty good a uh, pretty good summary of San Sebastian, and so we are going to sign off on uh, this mini episode slash travelogue. Salud, salud. Okay. We're on episode two of our mini episode travelogue honeymoon edition. Dear diary. Um, I I will come up with a more cute name for that later. We're in, we're in our breakfast nook. Yeah, Studio we're, we're, East. We're, oh yes, Studio East in Barcelona. We're about to open one of the few uh, potent beers that you're able to find in Spain because mostly it's like a light lager, which is fine because. Like, you go to the bar and they're like, hey, you want a little glass of beer? And you're like, great. And then they just hand you free food and it's yeah. the best thing ever yeah. happens. So, there we go. Um, so, also, there's so, like a Catalan marching band. Yeah. I don't know what's going, going on around. out there, but it's perfect. Yeah. I love it. So, speaking of uh, ordering a drink and getting free food... Let's talk about Granada. Oh, let's talk about Granada. Okay, so we just we just talked about San Sebastian and a wax poetic and gushed because San Sebastian was amazing. Truly. However, Granada might be my now second favorite city in the world. Oh my god! Second no. favorite to 
Florence, which we're about to go visit again. So we'll see if Florence stands up to Granada. Hey, hey, I'm but sure it I will. Think, sure it will. I'm pretty sure it will. I'm pretty sure it will. But, but, but back to Granada. But back to Granada. Oh my effing G. I, like... You, okay, so you let's start. You so, start. Okay, so first of all, let's just talk about the food. Let's talk about okay. let's talk about the food scene. We'll start because, with the food. All right. Because seriously, in Granada, you you go to a restaurant. Like I remember, we got there that day after we we'd been on two planes. We flew from San Sebastian to Granada. Yeah, so we had to and stop so, in Madrid, and yep. they were both little pond hopper planes. Yep, and then we took a taxi, and we like you know travel days are hard. We yeah. like hadn't eaten yeah, anything. Yeah, we dragged our like our, forty pound plus bags. Yeah, the cobblestone street, and this Spanish man with an awful tattoo on his cap, yelled at us while we were dragging him up a cobblestone street. They they are they thing. have mixed feelings about tourists in Granada, which, which I we get. felt which we totally get. Spain is and coming out of like a way worse depression than we experienced in 2008 yes. and one of the consequences of that is that um, enterprising people with like a lot of money, a lot of them foreign, have bought up a ton of the real estate in Spain while it was cheap and rock bottom yeah. at the bottom of the crash. And now they've turned it all into Airbnb apartments. So for us, it's amazing because we can right. stay in a great apartment, which we're doing right now, yeah. for cheaper than like a, um, a motel yeah. in, you know, an yeah. average motel in the States. But the problem for Spaniards is that, like, they don't even, they still have, like, over 10% unemployment and nobody can afford to live anywhere near where they work. And, you know, it's like anyone who's yeah. lived in a big city in the States can sympathize, but, and we're part of the problem, I guess, right now. And for that, we apologize. But so we, yeah, get, we I, get the anti tourist hostility. But. Totally, totally. And I think it goes beyond that in Granada, too, though maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I, but it definitely seems like it's, it's, tourism has increased a lot. And so, but the, but part of the reason why is because in Granada, you, you go to a bar. I like, I remember, so we were starving, we were starving and we went to the first place we came across yeah, pretty it much. It was like low blood sugar that, you know, it was one of those yeah. things where like I had pretty low blood sugar and my lovely wife, Emma, your genius narrator had you had pretty low blood sugar i had very low blood and sugar it was time to and get some food pretty it quick. was it was stat we needed some food stat and um you know the the hamon reserves didn't yeah didn't, right didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't somehow carry over but they were so coagulating yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 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 we went into the the first place that we uh, could find, which was called La Bea y la Bestia, which the Beauty and the Beast. Yep, it, which if you don't speak Spanish, that is uh, what that means. Like super and, touristy pictures yeah. on the menus. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I but, was just like, it's the we first were, place we're going. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I want paella, I want pizza, I want whatever they'll give me. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how expensive it is. Um, but we went in, and they were like, Oh, we're not serving food, and I was like. No, I was because in the middle had, of my abject apology we when had, he just brought us <laughs> some free food. Yeah, he was because, like, "Oh, we're closed." Because but... we had well, no. So this is what happened. We went and we ordered the drinks. Right. We had because ordered that's the only drinks. polite. Yeah, you so ordered the drinks first, and then and then we were looking at a menu, and he was like, "Oh no, I'm sorry. Like, we're not serving food right now," and we were like, "Okay, well, we just ordered these drinks, so I guess it's rude if we don't." Because he'd like poured them for us, and we were like, I guess it's rude if we don't drink them. So we 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 drank them, um, and then and then halfway through, he brought us free food, and yeah. it was amazing. It was great free food. Yeah. It was like fried eggplant with yeah. again this. I don't even like eggplant, with and this, it was like, delicious. Barbecue sauce. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so thing. good. And then like a mango vinaigrette. Yeah. And it salad. was so good at this like. Just you would it think, to us. and you would think at this like nothing place. So then we were like, okay, we uh, we left Granada, and so we just kept going. We just co- kept going down this one street, and we went to which again is it's a cobblestone street next to a wall that overlooks the Dara River. Like, and yeah. by the way, the Alhambra, 
is yeah. looming over you this whole yeah. time. So we had we a right there. We had a rooftop view of the Alhambra from our Airbnb, which again, speaking of, you know, there were issues perhaps not not issues with our Airbnb, but issues with Airbnb in Spain in general that oh, yeah. we were partaking in. When, when we got to this one at the uh, when we got this one at Granada, the Airbnb had it had like a notice on the front door of the entire apartment building that was like, hey, whether you're a permanent resident or not, you need to be really careful going up those metal steps because they, they're they attached to somebody's apartment and well, we're a community more... And I don't know, I, I say that in like a snarky voice, but I, I'm not making fun of you because we went in there after the guy finally let us in. The stairs were and really they're, loud. They're yeah. like... They're, they're, it's basically fire escape steps, yeah. but they're right up against people's bedrooms. Yeah. So, you know, and so, the door you couldn't close without slamming it, and the and the yeah. door frames were all like corrugated steel, like it was weird. So I totally, weird. I imagine most people who go to stay there are like you know American tourists Partiers. who, well, not even partiers, but you, you know, people who may not be used to the fact that you just go out and you order drinks all night, and then. And then you get home and you're feeling a little tipsy and you go up to the rooftop. Maybe your footfalls are a little heavier than they should be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm sure ours were when we went home later at night, though we tried very hard to be quiet. We tried very hard. Uh, But, you know, but but I I think we were okay. But We adopted a cat. We did, we did. There was a sweet little gatita who was probably pregnant, who visited us up on the rooftop, and we brought her some milk and jamon. Hopefully the jamon didn't poison her because it was too salty. I only gave her a little bit. Yeah, we tried to shred it into very small yeah, bits. Yeah, only gave her a little bit. But she really loved the milk, and it made me happy because I really, really miss my cats, and it made me feel like a cat mom. A lot but, of feral cats around. But so, so we were talking about how um, this, this rooftop had a view of the Alhambra, Winston, for those for those of you who don't know, would you like to explain what the Alhambra is? Okay, the motherfucking Alhambra <laughs> is first of all one of the That was maybe incredibly uh offensive to some people, the fact that you call it the motherfucking Alhambra. But Oh, I apologize. Um, the Alhambra is perhaps one of the greatest structures ever created by man. Yes. Or womankind. It is a, a, a complex of buildings, really, yeah. that um, began as early as the 9th century AD under the Umayyad Caliphate, which was in Spain at that time, and um, kind of was neglected for a while. And then, I mean, you can get a lot of this from the Wikipedia page, but basically the Nazarid. Uh, dynasty or the Nazarid Caliphate of Granada um, sort of retook up the spot. It's up on a hill overlooking yeah. the entire valley around the area of Granada. And so there's a fortress called the Alcazaba, I believe. Kindly correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that's what it's I called. I think so. Um, and it's this gigantic sandstone fortress. Um, I looked it up in the Wikipedia and the Alhambra um, sort of translates literally to um, the Red Lady Mm. and it's because of the stones they used to build this thing on top of the hill, right? And so the Dara River is coming down and a lot of it goes through the Alhambra, but then the Nasrid dynasty um, took up this project of making the most beautiful, the most intricate, the most mathematically challenging fractal patterned uh decorations that you could ever do because of course you know in in even in liberal islam which like the umayyads and the nasrids certainly were mm-hmm. by any any imagine i mean like christians and jews and everybody were like part of the government they were living together you know it was like basically like pay your taxes and you're fine you know, it was yeah. nothing like the Which, Christian Inquisition. I wish that we had been able to, when we were in Madrid, take a day trip to Toledo, <clears throat> but we were recovering from jet lag and it just wasn't, we didn't have enough time. Yeah. Um, but Toledo is sort of similar. Like, it's kind of a microcosm of Granada and it's a much more medieval feeling town, but you get the same sense of like, there's the history of um, of Jews, Muslims, and Christians coexisting 
until a certain point. And as, as often happens, the, the Jewish remnants are the least that we have at this point in, at least in Spain. Well, though, and, until the, I mean, the crypto Jews is like a, a big part of what came out of this. Mm-hmm. And there are a ton of crypto Jews in New Mexico, actually. Oh, interesting. Um, and crypto Jews, if you don't know, are Jews who were forced to pretend to convert to Christianity mm-hmm. by the Inquisition, mm-hmm. but they developed like this secret code, basically, and their whole own like um, sculpture and monumental, you know, sort of. Yeah. It was all like carving symbols and walls and yeah. stuff, almost like the hobos in the Great Depression or whatever. But it was these people who were like, yeah, we're Christian, quote unquote. Yeah. But. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they were like, no, we're actually Jews. Yeah. And that transferred into New Spain, which then became New Mexico, where I'm from. Mm. And um, there are many, many families oh, that's cool. who are crypto-Jewish I families. I did not know that. And, yeah, and they're mostly Sephardic Yeah, Jewish Sephardic, families. well, yeah, Sephardic um, Jews are the Spanish Jews. But, but so there was uh, the Museo de los Olvidados, which was the museum of the forgotten of the forgotten and yeah. and it was kind of cool we didn't go i wanted to go we but we only had we only had one full day yeah. in granada really and we used and it mostly for the alhambra yeah which is and, so which is huge so huge that we probably walked like four miles just like going around probably something probably something like that we got back and i was so exhausted i am not a napper but i we got back to our airbnb just to like recoup and like take a little rest. I, I think I slept for like two or three hours yeah. afterwards because I because I was just so exhausted. I was playing Civilization Five for you gamers and yeah. I took us from the Renaissance era to the modern era. There you go. Time. There you go. That gives you an idea. Yeah. <laughs> and and yes, I was doing very well. Yeah. So so anyway, so Granada is absolutely outstanding. Um another thing that we didn't do that I kinda I'm kicking myself that we didn't do was go see flamenco because in high school for, for five, five or six years, I did flamenco and I love it. I love flamenco. I love doing it. I love seeing it. And it to me is one of the most just like visceral moving dance forms and music that it's, and it's an amazing guitar alone. Yeah. And we heard, you know, we heard some flamenco guitar and we heard some flamenco happening, but we didn't go see it, and I and I'm very disappointed in myself for that. But, um, but we didn't go because we discovered, or we didn't discover. You discovered, or you told us about the best uh, tapas bar in Granada, which is also a great wine bar, which is called Tab. Taberna Latana. Yeah, well, and I didn't discover it. It's from the Anthony Bourdain, God rest yeah. his soul. R.I.P. Episode Uncle Tony. of uh, Parts Unknown, where he goes to Granada to visit an old cameraman of his named uh, Mike Zamboni. I kid mm. you not, that's actually his name. Well, maybe not Mike, but Zamboni is his last name. And he, you know, married up into his Spanish family in Granada yeah. and lives there, and it's it's really beautiful, Ooh, and there's a, so I was just kind of... There's a little uh, Barcelona ambulance or police force or something. Yep. Yeah. There it goes. People seem okay, though. Yep. Um, but so, you know, I just looked up sort of where he went, and this was one of the places, and it actually kind of had middling reviews where people were like, I saw it on the show, and... I didn't even think it was as good as they say it all on the show. And the thing is, like, it's a wine bar with some amazing wine, and they and just bring you all this free food while you're sampling amazing and wines. The, and the yeah, and the tapas were some of the best tapas that we had for sure. But the wine was exquisite. Being being a wine uh, nerd, I was in heaven. Um, seeing to, to some the point of the where greats. she asked to go back a second. Now. Yeah, like the question was, do I we go like to I a had fl- husbanded well? <laughs> the question was, do we go see a flamenco or do we go back to this place? And we ultimately decided to go back to this place because you can. I mean, you obviously can't see as authentic a flamenco show in the United States, but you can see flamenco in the United States. You can't go to a place like this in the United States. It, it's entirely unique. And, 
and and the wine was spectacular. Again, it was a little more expensive because the glasses were like five euro instead of two or three euro. Gas. But yeah, like, you know, it was so good. And one of our favorites that we discovered was called the Minotaurio, like Minotaur. Yeah. Um, that was a local, because... As, All of whom were librarians, by the way. Oh, yes. Uh, that's... A, that's a sidebar, which we'll explain in another time. Um, <laughs> why all minotaurs are librarians? Minotaurs but, are librarians. Um, um, Take it but to the bank. obviously, but so it was called that. Uh, well, I don't know why it was called that, but it was a Pinot Noir coming from Granada or coming from nearby, and so we wanted to try like a local wine because, as far as I know, there's not like a ton. Like I mean, I, I obviously there's wine coming out of Andalusia, but you don't. You don't hear about a ton yeah. of wines coming out of there. But all we saw the whole time we were in Andalusia was just endless fields, you know, and most of them, most of them, most were, of them olive, were olive trees, olive trees but, but it, it is a very agricultural region. Absolutely. And it's and so, got the climate to, oh my to God, grow it's, wine too. It's gorgeous. Also, um, gorgeous. Andalusia comes from Al-Andalus, which is the Spanish way of referring to the Arabic part of Spain mm. and it used to be most of fucking Spain yeah and then over the course of the Reconquista it gradually got you know pushed back and back yeah. and back and back until ultimately it was just the caliphate of uh, or the emirate rather excuse me forgive me the emirate of Granada yeah and uh, then that was pushed down you know to like Gibraltar itself yeah. and Malaga but um that is where flamenco music comes from. It comes mm-hmm. from the blending of European and Arabic and, um, you know, Jewish and Christian cultures. And that's where this incredible music and culture comes yeah. from is, is this sort of doomed kingdom that over hundreds and hundreds of years was pushed slowly back. Yeah. You know? And into the sea. And, and you, that's and where the you, Alhambra comes from too. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's this, it's, it, you, it sort of boggles the mind, the beauty that the people who built this fortress left behind. Like the Nasrid palaces, the, what was it? The court of the lions or the yeah, palace of, yeah. or the plaza of the lions. I think it was the something. court of the lions. Yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. Guys, we'll, we'll post pictures. But we'll, it's, we'll, no, nothing I could say would do it justice. If you have not, I, this is hard for me to say, but if you have to pick one place in Spain to go, go to Granada. I, or at least as far as I have seen so far, even having seen San Sebastián, which I think physically, like the yeah. nature is the yeah. most beautiful that Un- I've ever seen. Unquestionably. And the food is untouchable, but... There's something about Granada that you feel, you can like feel the culture and the history resonating Well, for there. one thing, it's, it's sort of like what uh, an American pictures Europe to be like. It's cobblestone streets, yeah, it's yeah. all the buildings it, all together, you know, with the shared I was walls. Saying, I was saying, you know, like, even though it's definitely not the same at all, the the closest, the reason why I loved Florence so much is that I, I had that same feeling in Florence. Felt like you were in another time. I felt like I was like experiencing history and culture. I felt like and that in the Alhambra. Huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and uh, this one is easy because obviously the, the art form that we're pairing with Granada is flamenco. And, Death. Uh, and it's perfect. And so... What uh, about the wine we're pairing? Well, we talked a little bit about the the Granada and uh, Pinot oh, Noir, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but otherwise, otherwise oh, the, yeah. the the rest of yeah the Minotario and it's it's a Minotaur doing flamenco, obviously. Yeah, is what we're what we're left because with. they're gender fluid librarians. Yeah. people. Yeah, get on the train. <laughs> there is a backstory to this, but I don't have time to explain. But otherwise, you know, other you can just drink so much Rioja and. Ribera del Duero. To me, I would ask, I, I learned to ask for the Ribera del Duero instead of the Rioja at bars. Why I don't know. Maybe it's just my, maybe it's just my palate. Maybe it's just my taste. But I thought that the Ribera del Dueros were a little bit better 
than just like the random Rioja that they would give you if you didn't ask for anything specifically. It was usually like 50 cent euro more expensive, but not significantly. And I thought it was better. Um, and in general, Ribera del Duero, so they're both Tempranillo based. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, Ribera del Duero is a little bit richer because um, it comes from a little bit warmer climate and a little bit you know, more full-bodied, while Rioja is um, a little bit lighter, spicier. And when it's really good, it's really good, but there's so much Rioja at this point that you kind of have to be... Discerning. Yeah, a little more discerning about what you're... Like, remember, so we found one of my favorite bottles of Rioja in a just, like, little shop, little, like mini supermarket in San Sebastian, the 2010 Yuri Rioja Reserva. Oh, the dude and was, like, over the moon. He was. He, I know. He was like, this is the best wine in the store. And I was like, I know. Um, he gave us a hat. I'm he not did. Even he did. He gave us a free hat because we bought that. Well, because the wine was, like, 23 euro, which in the States, that wine goes for between 40 and 50 bucks a bottle. And so I was, like, and 23 euro at this point, nah, that's, like, maybe 30 bucks um but but less at this point right so um so i was like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna do it because when else am i gonna you know buy this bottle so we did that and that was amazing so i'm not i'm not trying to shit on rioja because rioja is amazing but I i felt like in general the the like cheap roberto del duero is better than the cheap rioja there you go. That is my recommendation to you if you are traveling Spain and you want to order order a glass of vino tinto, una copita, una copita de vino tinto, There's and some also tapas. A, a board game called Alhambra, which you can buy and play, mm. and it is a... It's there's no real conflict. It's, I mean, you're sort of competing against each other to build the most beautiful palace. Ah. It's sort of like a competitive sim city if you will so which that's the uh, only the only um thing the only place comparable i think that i have experienced to the alhambra is rome where in terms of i haven't been there yet i look forward to it where we will be in about a week so uh i look forward to that but even so I think the Alhambra is more magnificent. Also, look into so. Umayyad Spain because yeah. it's a really dope part of European history that yeah. really gets washed over and not talked about enough because Muslim Spain was kind of a bright, shining light of tolerance and intelligence and education. It really, before, really was. You know, for the time. I'm not saying it was a utopia. Yeah. <laughs> it was, sure. It was still the Middle Ages. But sure. like... Compared to the European powers where nobody read or bathed yeah. or, like, you know, had teeth. Like, it was fucking dope. And well, it's a great... to the point where the Spanish kings and queens felt the need to imitate it and build, like, a European palace on top of it. Right, right. Because there know, is the palace, you know, for Charles the Charles V. Who, in, in fairness, was also dope. He there you go. He was pretty there dope. There you go. But... but. But it, it, it's a good example, I think, to us all now, kind of the, the memory of a time where, when, obviously, obviously things didn't go so great, you know, with the Inquisition and all that, but a time before that when there was an amazing example of coexistence yeah. between difference of belief. And, uh, and let's, let's try to strive for that. The light has been. The light will come again. Yeah. All right. That was Granada. So we're going backward in time because the first place that we went on our journey was Madrid. Madrid. Welcome to Madrid. <laughs> um, which I told you that story, right? From the first time that I went to Madrid. Yeah, of course, but tell. So the first time that I went to Madrid, I went with my best friend, Emma Cohen who um, is my uh, basically sister. And we were just walking down the street. And, you know, we're both like, you know, dark haired, pale, you know, Jewish looking people. But, the, the, you know, like in Spain, like a lot of people look like that. And, uh, and we were just walking down the street. 
And we walk back this guy, past this guy, and he just goes, Welcome to Madrid. I was like, dude, is it that obvious that I'm a tourist? <laughs> but it seems obvious to most people that we're tourists, at least. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess Americans are That's obvious. Probably me, but no, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but um, but so anyway, we had the great fortune of meeting up with a friend of mine in Madrid who knew where to took knew where to took us. I'm just gonna knew, knew where, where to took us. Knew where to took us. <laughs> Speaking of being Jewish, Imagine um, Peter yeah, yeah. Paul is just telling you all this. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, she knew where to take us, um, and so she brought us to this amazing restaurant. The name of which I don't remember, I don't but know. it was. I could never find it again. So good, so good. She said and it was one of the oldest bars in Madrid. Did she not? Well, that was a different place. But oh. that was a different place than what I'm talking about. But she did take us to one of the oldest bars in Madrid and exper- and introduced us to the kind of like drink tapas pinchos experience. And so we went and got a pincho de tortilla there. Uh, tortilla, I'm sorry. And um, it was the best one that we've had. Yeah. It was because they, they, they didn't cook it quite as much. So it was hot, but like kind of sort gooey. Of runny, yeah, yeah, it was delicious. Um, and we got some stuff there, but then she took us to another bar that does a very traditional, so vermouth is a big thing in Spain. And, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of knew, I kind of, I kind of knew, um, that vermouth is a big thing here. It's definitely a bigger thing in Europe than in the States, but there's a traditional drink called the, the granddad, essentially. I can't remember what the slang is for it it in Spanish. Grandpappy or something. Yeah, and um, and but basically, it's just vermouth and gin with a little lemon, and they give you some olives with it. And I swear, I hate olives, but these were delicious it's and dangerous. Drink. It was a dangerous drink. I don't even it was like gin. so good. I was like, I can't it was taste so good. This. All I taste is we sugar. later we later <laughs> um at a bar in San Sebastian, one of the less successful experiences that we had there. Um, I ordered a Negroni, which is one of my favorite cocktails, but it was like five parts vermouth, like one part Campari and like half a part gin. Yeah. Also, they were anti-Semites. Well, we don't know that that's true. I absolutely know that. We we made this up because they were really mean to us. We didn't make anything up. They're anti-Semites. We made this up. But, um, But it doesn't matter because... But anyway, back in Madrid, and so we went to the, so we had the granddad, which was delicious. The vermouth and gin Truly. was really, really good. And with the olives, and it was just, it was like, it was perfect. You and like the, other the thing, olives. You don't even like olives. That's what I was Here's saying. That's what I was saying. And then the other thing we learned at that bar is that, what you do with the napkins is after you're done with them, you just like kind of crumple them up and throw them on the floor. And the same with the olive pits. Yeah. You uh, it felt so wrong. It felt so wrong, but that's what you do. That's what you do in Madrid. And, and apparently most of Spain, I think you just kind of like, you just drop it all on the floor. And I was like, this feels wrong. And as someone who's worked in the service industry and would have to clean this up, I uh, yeah, right? don't feel great about this. But I guess this is what we do. Um, and, you know, the guy who was working there had probably been working there for a hundred years or so. And so just was yeah, like... he was easily 275, yeah, yeah, at least, at least, years at old. least. Um, and then, and then we had this amazing dinner. Where we had this solo mio, which Do we you talked about. The name of the place? I don't remember the I name. Of, that was what I was just saying. Is that I don't remember the name of the place. I might have. I might have the card somewhere. But, but we were in a neighborhood in Madrid that was named after a communist revolutionary female hero. Oh, that's right. What was the name of that? I don't I, remember. I can't remember it either. I don't remember. But, but it was not, cool. We were super asked, jet lagged, and it was cool that I asked because I asked, was it La Pasionaria, which it's another female communist hero of the Spanish mm-hmm. Civil War. Mm-hmm. It was not her. It was a different woman. And this uh, neighborhood, basically what they told us was that after Franco died in the late 70s, early 80s, Spain had 
its own sexual and like you know cultural revolution kind of and you know because this fascist dictator who'd ruled spain for almost 50 years had died and so instead of uh, setting up a new dictatorial regime, Spain was just like, nope, we're a democracy now. And everybody was just like, oh, okay. You know, like like the whole yeah. the whole thing collapsed. And Spain just had this incredible sort of peaceful revolution. And this neighborhood was the center of it. It was like, yeah. like Stonewall in New York, I guess, is the closest analogy I could, I could sure. get to it. The Stonewall in and all this it was just like everybody nobody had clothes and you know you know everybody was going crazy and all that you stuff. mean back in the day back in the day yeah, yeah i was like i think people i think people had clothes i think i would remember that i think i would remember that but um no i'm just saying like that's like the site of the sort of revolution it was the avant-garde art district yeah and then when spain went democratic it's you know, it was trendy, and that's where we ended up. Yeah. It was like Maria Malena or something something like that. Something, um, yeah. But it was, but the the restaurant that we went to, I'll try to find the card for it. It was amazing. Oh, my God. And that was where we first discovered the Solo Mio, which the, is the, the filet, the, and the jamon iberico, which, <sighs> so good. Um, I'm going to have to have jamon every day now. I just, I mean, that's... It's like coming out of my skin. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad you said skin. Um, and... <laughs> what was I going to say? I don't know. I'm not that bad. I, I don't know. Come on. Um, but, uh, so that was amazing. And then in terms of, like, the cultural things that we did, we didn't do all that much. Ooh, but we you. went to... But we... Name? But we went to the uh, Parque del Retiro which is this amazing, gorgeous park that was built for, I want to say, Ferdinand the Twelfth or something Alfonso, like that. Alfonso the Twelfth. Is it Alfonso the Twelfth? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, anyway, it was built. It was for built... like a late 19th century Spanish king, and it, it has a very similar feel to Central Park. Kinda. Um, except there's Kinda. more monument. There's a crystal palace. Yeah, there. I'd say it's prettier. Uh, it is prettier. And um, also, like, but it's this, but it's a similar thing. It's kind of like the Central Park of Madrid. Yeah, I would say. And um, but then we also, of course, we went to the Prado, and we went when it was free admission. Um, later at night, so we didn't have very long. So I was like, Winston, we're going to see all the Goya because uh, Francisco de Goya is probably my favorite painter maybe my favorite painter of all time because I love his uh, Pinturas Negras, the black paintings, which are so dark and upsetting and probably problematic in many ways. But, they you know, that's so like, the cool. it's like you're probably, if you've seen any, you've seen Colossus, which I didn't realize um, there's now some dispute about whether Goya actually painted that or if right, it, was, it was one of his, like, apprentices yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And so there's still some dispute about that. But then there's Saturn, um, you know, I, which is the painting the of the he's eating. eating. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's and, eating. Saturn eats the, you know, Uranus or Saturn yeah. eats the children. Yeah. Or, you know. And then, and then there's all these paintings of witches and witch gatherings. And this all happened later in his life because he used to be a royal court painter and so and we didn't go see like all of his courtly paintings well, we walked through a lot of them you didn't but we didn't see it because i went last time and you can see and they're very just like what you'd expect very right. bright and everything but then but then we saw kind of i think his mid-stage paintings and then the pinturas negras well and, i was lame because i was like we had we had walked around and we had walked well the also park. we only had like an hour and, to do everything yeah, in the and Prado. so then we stood so, in the line to get in the free admission, and yeah. I was like, "Baby, my feet hurt," <laughs> and I was like, super lame. And um, but also so we didn't. I, but also, literally, we went to go see all the things that I wanted to see, and then they were like, "Get out of here!" Because <laughs> they did literally kick so, us out of the museum. So, we stayed until yeah. they kicked. Yeah, us yeah, out. yeah, yeah. But um, but so Goya is my favorite, one of my favorite painters of all time. And easily one of mine too. And I, uh, and so that is going to be my artistic pairing for Madrid. Um, 
And I think that he would enjoy uh, an old granddad or whatever it's called. The vermouth and gin. gin Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd love it. Yeah. He'd love it. That's good. Yeah. You know. He seems like he he, had a nice dark sense of humor. He sure did. And, well, and a lot... And I remember watching a movie. I forget what the movie was called. I forget what the context was. But he... Goya was a character in it. I think he was played by Stellan Skarsgård. Okay. And I'm gonna have to look this up. And and um, but basically, you learned that the Goya went deaf, and so that right. was a. And that was, isn't that what triggered his like really dark period? I think so. It was part of it. It was part of it for sure. Yeah, really interesting, really interesting stuff. And uh, that is the mini episode. Yay! <laughs> was created, produced, hosted, and edited by Emma Scherzarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Hugh. If you'd like more information, links, and clarifications on what we talked about this episode, please check out the show notes. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, read, drink, and be merry.